Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 23rd. This is entering week three of the uh, NFL preseason, and that's the, the last week before we get like a, a bye where all the teams make all their decisions and make their final roster cuts. So we've got lots of news to talk about. My name is Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web, of course, at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very experienced uh, fantasy player, uh, fantasy writer, very good friend, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well, thank you. Uh, it's finally good to start talking about some uh, football news that's going to have some impact on a fantasy draft. We've had a lot of back-end-of-the-roster stuff recently, but uh, this week we've had, uh, we've had some things come up that are, that are going to actually uh, impact your draft, so it'll be good to get some things out in the open, and we'll talk about a few coming up here. Yes, we've got a very busy uh, schedule here. Uh, this, this podcast normally runs a little more than 30 minutes. We might be pushing 40 minutes on this one. Anyway, let's get right to the big news of the week. Tom Brady has returned from a sit on the mass Singer, right? Uh, well, we don't know about that, but he has returned to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Chris, what, what, what is your off-the-cuff off off remark about Tom Brady returning to the Bucs? Was it a story or what? What, what do you think? I don't think it's much of a story. I mean, if a lot of veterans will sit out camp or quote unquote hold out of camp to avoid it, guy's 45 years old or a million and six, however old he is. So I don't think it's a big deal. He doesn't need the reps. His team does. Teammates don't need the reps. He's he's fine. I think this is much ado about nothing. Quite honestly, the bigger issue is their offensive line. Quite quite frankly, that's. That's right. It is a bigger issue. Uh, frankly, from for my uh, uh, point of view, I, I can't wait to see not only him play uh, in real games for the Tampa Bay Bucks, but possibly what kind of character he could be on the mess. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to the next note. Uh, just a quick note here. In Carolina, they made the obvious decision that they're going to be starting Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold in week one for the Panthers. And basically, it was a starter for week one, uh, just in case uh, Baker falls on his face and uh, they want to make a change in week two. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, Robbie Anderson said to be very happy about the decision. He, he actually is developing some quick chemistry, and this is somebody that played with Sam Darnold before in the past. We'll see uh, how this goes moving forward after week one. I think the big thing to note about this past weekend's of preseason's games was over happened in Washington where rookie Brian Robinson got the start 
while uh, Antonio Gibson, their talented running back, uh, got some action on the return game. He did play in the game. Usually, as actually was seeing the action on third downs and all, uh, J.D. McKissick didn't play in the game. But Robinson looked looked good. Uh, so so did Gibson in, in, in a shifty pass catching out of the backfield. Uh, fantasy impact, uh, Chris, uh, does this really lower Antonio Gibson and, and, and up uh, Brian Robinson? Are they going to converge in uh, drafting an ADP here? Yeah, I think they probably will. I, I know we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Gibson's been kind of slowly dropping down the draft boards and Robinson slowly rising. Um, with, with the news, and, and we talked last week about maybe just being a one-time punishment, but it carried on into multiple practices this week. So I think there might be something to it. Basically, on my cheat sheet, I just flip-flopped Robinson and Gibson. Um, they're both pretty close together. Neither one of them is, is really high. I think J.D. McKissick in a PPR is probably still the best of the three guys to own, at least the safest of the three guys to own. And, but I don't think there's a lot of value in any of these guys. I don't think any of them were going very high. They're all in that running back three, maybe even four range, since you don't know who's going to do what, and they might just split all the touches. Yeah, that's that's what get where Gibson was going. Is people thought he was a solid RB three, but now he's uh, more like a shaky RB four. And uh, Robinson, who I drafted in round thirteen in the FFPC Pros versus Joes draft at the end of July, uh, might make me look like a genius. But <laughs> uh, bottom line, I grabbed him as my RB five in round thirteen. So I'm I'm happy with that development. It's the best ball league, so I'm going to get whatever points he does. But uh, you know, it, it's good. It, it, I feel like you do. Uh, almost flip flopping Robinson over. Gibson is going to be falling again in our rankings this coming week. Uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to watch what happens there. Over in, uh, in Las Vegas right down the road here, the Raiders, uh, they tried to trade Kenyon Drake. No takers there. They're going to officially release him either today or tomorrow. So that means uh, he's gone from the roster. Zamir White is on the roster. Uh, Amir Abdullah, that's the name, people. And also Brandon Bolden is on that roster. What's the fantasy impact here with the Kenyon Drake's release, uh, Chris? Yeah, I actually think this one has a bigger fantasy impact than, than the situation in Washington, uh, and maybe not so much for the Ra- for the Raiders themselves. Um, White and Abdullah, and like you said, Brandon Bolden, again, a f- familiar face for for uh, for Josh McDaniels. I think they're all going to see some time and, and get a lot of that pass-catching role. It's going to be kind of like New England West uh, with, with everyone having a role. The big thing that I, I'm curious about is a lot of people were talking about Kareem Hunt or DeErnest Johnson possibly being traded to a team that needs a feature back or a more prominent back in the case of Darnus Johnson. But now if you're looking for a guy that has, uh, you know, that has feature back potential, you can get Kenyon Drake for free off the waiver wire. So why would you pay something, especially pay up for Kareem Hunt? I think this probably just cements those three guys all staying in Cleveland, which again has a significant impact for people that were drafting those guys, assuming that one of those three might be gone. Yeah, and for those of you who drafted early and, and took a chance on Kenyon Drake, I wouldn't cut him just yet because uh, he might be claimed off waivers, uh, or or he you know uh, might be signed uh, if he if he clears waivers uh, to another team that needs a running back. Uh, you know, uh, so I would I would just hold off on that. There's no need to dump somebody that was just a dump just to, because there's a lot of movement in here in the rosters as we get to the final cutdowns in about a week and a half or so. Um, anyway, moving on over to New Orleans uh, in the wide receiver position, Michael Thomas who's been having a, a, a really good uh, camp coming off that ankle injury. Now he's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue, according to the head coach down there. Uh, fantasy impact, uh, Michael Thomas, now uh, is this uh, because of this hamstring I- issue, uh, Chris, is he, is he uh, warning, warning bells or, uh, or, or are you still uh, feeling good about him? 
Uh, I'm still feeling good about him, but um, I, I recognize that, you know, he has obviously been injured for the last two years. It was a different injury, while the, even though this could be a compensatory sort of thing. The big thing I'm hoping this does that just depresses his draft value even more because I want to keep taking a chance on him, uh, drafting him as a, as a wide receiver four, you know, with, with two or, or maybe even low number one upside. So it's not a concern for me yet um, because I, he's not really had a issue, uh, an issue or a history of soft tissue injuries. Um, but uh, it is worth watching and making sure. Um, I'm just hoping, to, like I said, it brings his draft value down so that I can get a little bit of a bargain on him. Yeah, uh, you make a good point there. There's another guy that uh, was an obvious sleeper, but I, I'm loving this guy because I've got him on my dynasty team, and I'm telling you, he's shooting up, rocketing up these uh, ADP, the draft boards right now. Gabriel Davis in Buffalo scored another touchdown, a college touchdown from Josh Allen over the weekend, and every single day on the FFPC ADP charts that I see, uh, he's moving now. He's up in the early fourth round. It's it's creating crazy expensive. He's no longer a sleeper, <laughs> and and like you said, uh, maybe you can get a Michael Thomas and it's still in the sixth, seventh, eighth round or something like that because of this hamstring issue. Otherwise, you know, if he was out there really uh, burning it up and, and playing in these preseason games and catching touchdowns, then, you know, all that would go out the window. So it's interesting to view it that way. Uh, moving on over to Green Bay, uh, one of their other rookie receivers kind of was activated off the pup, uh, uh, Christian Watson. He's playing catch-up and has been seeing time with both the first and the second units in practice. All the uh, hoopla over Romeo Dupes, uh, not Ryan, Romeo, uh, the fourth rounder. Uh, now Christian Watson's getting his turn to shine in, in practice. What's the fantasy impact here? Uh, are, are you still liking Dubes more than Watson, or is Watson, uh, you know, the, the guy to maybe target late in your draft? What do you think, Ryan? Uh, no, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> you just like calling people Ryan the last couple of weeks. That's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm curious about this because, like you said, Watson has been kind of flying well under the radar because of the injury and, and all the, the, the kerfuffle about, about Romeo Dubes. But uh, I, I'm intrigued enough to think that e- any of these guys could be a decent flyer. Think about what, how, like where you took Marquez Valdez-Scantling you know, as a, as a late-round flyer, especially in best ball leagues over the last few years. One of these guys is going to have to step up. You know? I mean, but I, I do want to remember, you remember, there's still three veterans out there. You know, Alan Lazard, obviously, is probably going to be number one. But Sammy Watkins and, and a very familiar Randall Cobb, are still ahead of both of these guys in the pecking order, and neither one of those guys are being drafted. Everyone's shooting for these rookies. I'm actually not convinced that I wouldn't take a late-round flyer on a Sammy Watkins or in a PPR especially, a, a Randall Cobb, as a guy who, mm-hmm. who uh, Aaron Rodgers might feel comfortable leaning on. Yep. In fact, uh, over in my FFPC uh, Pros versus Joes draft, in the 14th round I grabbed uh, Christian Watson when Dubes went a couple of rounds earlier than that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Moving on over to Denver, uh, their tight end situation. We all thought that Albert O was a nice sleeper and all. Well, that might be changing because he played well into the fourth quarter of the preseason game this past weekend. And and head coach said, hey, uh, he needs the reps. Uh, That doesn't sound too good to me. What's your take on this, Chris? Is uh, Albert O still somebody worth drafting or uh, maybe a no on O? What do you think? Yeah, I had a big no on Albert O already, and, and like you had said, some of these comments and some of the, the playing time uh, distributions have me a little bit concerned. I don't know if he needed the reps because he's just, you know, rusty and he was having trouble with the offense, or he needed the reps because, you know, they really want to make him a bigger feature. I think the bigger thing here is that, that their rookie, their second-round pick, uh, 
I think his name is Greg Dolchich or Gary. I think it begins with a G. I think it's Greg Dolchich. That guy mm-hmm. really looked good and is starting to, to show some spark. If I'm going to take a flyer on a, on, a, on a tight end two late in the draft from Denver, I might take a chance on Dolchich. I'd certainly in a dynasty league. But uh, really, even in a redraft league, I don't think either one of them is great. I might take a flyer on, on Dolchich instead on the last round. Okay, I, I don't blame you there. Uh, a couple of last note, uh, notes here, uh, IDP notes, before we get to the injuries. Uh, linebacker Roquan Smith uh, returned to practice for the Bears, and he's going to play in 2022. So all those Smith owners out there in your IDP leagues, if you drafted them, uh, you're good to go this year. And also, the uh, same goes with uh, safety Jesse Bates, uh, franchise tagged over in, in, uh, in Cincinnati. He, he returned to training camp, signed his franchise uh, contract today, and he's going to play for them. Oh, and he's so upset said he's going to make so little money at, at the, what, seven digits? Uh, <laughs> was it eight digits, uh, 10 million, whatever? Uh, he, he's, he's good to go. So let's get to the uh, list of injuries real quick here. Um, the only quarterback on the list still, Matthew Stafford, with that elbow. Uh, he's fully practicing most days, although they said the Rams are probably going to have to manage him the entire season. That's okay. They managed him during the playoffs late season last year with a, same, a similar injury, similar, similar issue, and he won a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, let that chase me away from drafting him. Elijah Mitchell for the uh, 49ers hamstring. He's on track to return and play in week one. Same thing goes with uh, Cam Akers for the Rams. Daryl Henderson still missing practice there, soft tissue issue. Um, they're not really talking about him, but I imagine that he's probably in the same category or very similar to, uh, to Akers. Uh, over in Philadelphia, Miles Sanders with a hamstring. He's iffy for week one. Uh, keep an eye on him. You might want to fade him a little bit on your draft. Isaiah Spiller, the rookie ankle injury for the Chargers. He's week to week. There really is no clear backup. Joshua Kelly's in the mix. So is Larry Roundtree. Uh, if you got Austin Eckler, uh, maybe it's just worth holding off on, on grabbing a handcuff there because it's probably going to be an RBBC if he goes down. Gus Edwards, torn ACL, reserve pup, out four-plus games this season. That was just done today, so uh, move him down your list there. Mike Davis is going to debut on our rankings this week because of this news. He's going to play alongside J.K. Dobbins, uh, who hopefully will be ready for week one. That's still iffy there. Uh, wide receivers, uh, Mike Evans, hamstring return to practice for the Bucks. He's good. Uh, Chris Godwin, torn ACL. He's still progressing, of course. Uh, they hope to have him for week one. Over in Kansas City, good news, Juju Smith-Schuster with a knee. He's on track to play in week one. James Washington, uh, I mentioned him because we're just rolling out these you know, the weeks, how many weeks? Three to seven more weeks, so it looks like he might miss at least two to six um, two to six or one to five weeks into the season. Robbie Anderson mentioned him earlier. He's got a quad. He's sat on Monday. It doesn't look like it's too serious there. Josh Palmer with a concussion. He's in concussion protocol for the Chargers. K.J. Hamler, torn ACL. Come, uh, he could play in the final preseason game. That's good there. The Giants, my Giants said that uh, Sterling Shepard with the Achilles is set to be activated from the pub list before week one, so that means he's not going to miss many games if he does miss one or two here or there. Uh, one guy is going to be missing games. Jameson Williams, uh, that's uh, to be expected. He just tore his ACL in the championship game for Alabama back in January. He's been placed on the reserve NFI. He's out four-plus games there. I drafted him like the 18th round one draft uh, you know, uh, for a flyer, so I, I, I think he's going to play into playing somewhere between 10 and 12 games there. He is a dynamic player, so when he plays, you'll get the points. Logan Thomas, good news here, a torn ACL and, and more there. He was activated from the pup, so he could play in week one. And then uh, big news uh, out of a punter, uh, R- Rigoberto Sanchez, uh, likely torn, a- uh, torn Achilles uh, in practice today. What, what's the news on him in uh, Indianapolis, Chris? 
Yeah, they haven't, they haven't completely nailed down, but they say they fear the worst. This is actually a really big deal. Um, the Colts' defense and special teams has been, you know, drafted as a starter, going pretty high. He's a big part of that. He's their kickoff specialist. He, he's very good at nailing punts inside the, uh, inside the 20, which means the defense, you know, has people backed up. Uh, he's also the holder uh, for field goals and extra points, and they've got a little bit of a shaky kicking situation, a little bit of a battle going on for a position that's going to be very lucrative, a, a high-volume kicking job. So this is going to impact a lot of, of fantasy things, even though punters normally don't, because, like I said, he's the holder, he's the kickoff guy, and he's a very, very good and very consistent punter. Okay. Uh, one more note here to defensive end Chase Young with Washington 20 ACL course. He's been placed on the reserve pop, so he's out the first four-plus games there. Adjust him down the IDP uh, cheat sheet there this week. And, of course, we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Read Drafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we always urge people to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Uh, our NFL uh, Quick Bits page uh, feature is our flagship feature, uh, updated every single day with all the news around the NFL, including the injuries right now. Uh, of course, we're still tracking free agents and player movements and such, and free agent eye in the sky uh, scanning reports, uh, free eye in the sky scanning reports, including those that cover the Colts from Chris Rito. Uh, we've updated our master's list uh, at Customizable Cheat Sheets, MCP Board, and, and Executive Draft Master here for like the fifth, sixth time over the past uh, week. Version 5 of the preseason draft guys released last Friday with 23 articles. That doesn't include a special article that uh, Chris just wrote about defenses and uh, how you should uh, attack drafting them. It's going to be released on the site tomorrow. Uh, the guide is already almost 500 pages. It's going to go over that uh, this coming week. Um, we're going to have uh, – we've just released a, an article on Magic quarterback handcuffs. Once again, from Mr. Rito, uh, very interesting. Depending on where you draft your uh, quarterback, uh, what bye week they have, uh, Chris uh, looks at an in-depth look at, at what other quarterbacks you should be looking to draft uh, to pair with that guy. And also you can watch me draft now on, uh, online. You can watch the draft for free. Go to my Twitter page, and you'll see the link there, FF, Master, uh, FF Webmasters uh, Experts League uh, Draft. Uh, we just started the draft. We're in the first round. I got the ninth pick. It's a non-PPR 14 teams, and I drafted Dalvin Cook. So it's going to be interesting to see who's there for me in the second round. I'm giving all my pick analysis uh, to uh, preseason draft guide subscribers right now. Our premium summer rates are a Pro Bowl package, which is the newsletters, all the updates, the rankings in season, the guide, uh, all, the, all the updates to the guide and the preseason rankings and such. 
$49.95. Super Bowl package includes that, plus the Executive Draftmaster software, which is an Excel app. Uh, it's $59.95. Please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. And right before we get to the tight end preview, I want to urge everyone to check out MyFFPC.com, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's the only high-stakes fantasy contest that I play in every year. I've got two teams once again this year. Um, I'm drafting out of the one-hole and the four-hole. This is 12-team modified PPR with a tight end premium, one and a half points per catch for tight ends. It's a very interesting uh, uh, contest. I urge everyone, if you can, uh, afford it. Uh, the winner, uh, it's almost 2000 per team, uh, 1600 per additional team, but the winner wins $1 million. I've won almost 40K in this event in the last eight years. Uh, very exciting. And if you just want to play, uh, they've got leagues that start as low as $35 there, myffpc.com. All right, let's get to the top ten fantasy PPR tight ends entering the 2022 season. Chris, give me your top three and why. Uh, I'm sure everyone's got the same top three. Travis Kelsey is the obvious choice at the top of the board. You better be prepared to spend a high second rounder to get him maybe more in a tight end premium league. The sure thing is there is seven straight years over 1,100 yards. To put that in perspective, Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez only topped 1,000 yards four times in 17 years. In these seven years, he's averaging 93 catches for almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns and over 100 catches for almost 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns with Mahomes. I mean, he had a down year last year, and he was still tight at number two, barely being edged up by a guy having a career year. So, I, I mean, he's obviously the number one. Mark Andrews is number two, and I, I really thought about putting Kyle Pitts here, and I'll tell you why when I get to him uh, in a minute. But Andrews had two very consistent years as a top five tight end and a solid score, uh, averaging 60,809 on about 90 targets. And last year he just exploded with 155 targets, doubled his yardage, broke Kelsey's stranglehold uh, atop the list here. Um, even though they've lost his main competitor for targets in Baltimore, part of the reason he was used so heavily last year was the horrific spate of injuries at running back in particular. I got to believe it's, it's going to have a little bit of regression from that career year, but he's still the safest pick to be closer to Kelsey than anyone else. So I just think he has a little bit of a reduced upside. Uh, and then I, Kyle Pitts is third. Um, I, I really, I kind of like what he had there. I just couldn't move him ahead of Andrews. If you watched the Monday night game last night, you'll notice that uh, the Falcons used the tight end a ton. And then I remembered that um, uh, Arthur Smith came from Tennessee where they used the tight end a ton, and he brought two of his Tennessee tight ends with him. So I think that multi-tight end stuff might take a few touchdowns away from Pitts to keep him from going over the top. But he did very quietly post 1,000 yards on only 68 catches on a bad team and as a rookie tight end. So I think with just a modest touchdown increase up to like maybe six, he'll still be the tight end three. Maybe you might not notice he had the same number of targets, catches, and yards as guys like T. Higgins and Mike Evans last year. He just didn't score the touchdown. So I think he's going to get nothing but better and be a solid number three tight end. Okay. Could not say it any better myself. My top three are the exact same as your top three. Kelsey, number one. Mark Andrews, a little bit behind him, and then a little bit behind him, Kyle Pitts, for much of the same reasons there. My number four guy is Darren Waller. In Vegas, I know they've got Devontae Adams there now, and Hunter Renfo has kind of emerged, but uh, uh, Carl likes to throw to Waller, and, and, and a lot of people forget how, how heavily used he was. Before he got injured last year, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking he's only he's going to catch around 85 passes over 1,000 yards and eight scores. They're going to 
use him more in the red zone. That's one thing that Waller said actively uh, when asked last week that uh, John Gruden really didn't have a plan for him, and they've got a plan. The new coach has a, a plan, uh, Josh McDaniels, uh, to, to, uh, to use his size and his height advantage in the red zone. So you're going to see a lot more shorter touchdowns for Waller. Number five, uh, just edging out uh, my number six guy, number five is George Kittle in San Francisco. There's going to be games where he catches one pass and blocks a whole ton. And then there's going to be other games where he catches seven, eight passes for 150 yards and two scores. And unfortunately, you're not really not going to know when that's going to happen much. Uh, they got Trey Lance there now, but still, it's going to end up with over 80 catches, over 1,000 yards, and probably half dozen scores there. And that puts him in number five in my PPR list here. Um, so, uh, Chris, what about the rest of your top five? Yeah, my four and five are exactly the same as yours. I'll just expand a little bit on a couple of things you said. You mentioned Coach McDaniel uh, having some some uh, role for him here. Remember, he just came from all those years in New England where he had Gronk, and so I can see him having a little bit of that Gronk role in the red zone. Remember, he was a big touchdown scorer. Um, he will have reduced targets because of Devontae Adams, but I think they might be higher quality targets and big play potential and touchdown potential for, for some of the reasons you mentioned. And he did have two straight 1,100-yard seasons, and it was on pace for a third straight one until losing the last seven games for injury. So he was, he's really pretty consistent, very Kelsey-like, very high floor, even if his ceiling does get capped by Adams. And then I like George Kittle at five. Um, he should also be coming off his third 1,100-yard season, but he lost some games from injuries. High floor, great PPR guy, despite modest totals. And like you said, Trey Lance there makes me just a little bit uh, uneasy. I think the scrambling quarterback might make his floor lower game to game and his predictability lower game to game. And But uh, I do like his upside. He's, he's a guy that can win a, a week all by himself for just the reasons you said. Yep. Okay, the next three on my list, the next two I really, really like and uh, targeted them, and we drafted them before, obviously, in FanX. Dalton Schultz in Dallas, uh, wow, uh, no Mark Cooper. Uh, Gallup might not play for up to a month or so, uh, you know, so guess what? Uh, C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz, come on down. You're going to catch a lot of passes this year. Uh, even if we conservatively had over 70 catches last year, I put him 75 this year, 800 yards and eight scores, because he's going to get a lot of red zone looks. That still puts him in number six on this list with room to grow there possible. And then number seven, I got Zach Ertz in Arizona. No DeAndre Hopkins to start the season. I know they got Marquise Brown, but uh, Ertz has really become a Kyle Murray, a Kyler Murray's uh, safety net, uh, and he can uh, he's devastating in the red zone too. Uh, Seventy-five catches, or eight hundred yards, seven scores, maybe one less score than Schultz. Uh, you know, but I still like Ertz here. And number eight, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, uh, not really one of my favorite guys because he tends to disappear here and there. Uh, and of course, they got Jared Goff now in, in Detroit, uh, which is downgrade, of course, from Stafford. And Hawkinson had some injury issues last. Last year, even when he played some games, he just totally disappeared. I still put him at over 70 catches, 800 yards, and six scores there, but that puts him at number eight on my list. What about the, the rest of your uh, top ten, Chris? Yeah, I flip-flopped my six and seven. I've got Zach Ertz higher in a PPR. Um, once he got to Arizona in week seven last year, he was tight end number two in catches and targets the rest of the way. Finished a respectable number five overall in PPR scoring. That's, that's hard to ignore the, the real PPR value he has there. And like you mentioned, getting an uptick in targets, DeAndre Hopkins out for a while. And also Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds no longer there, so there's a lot of targets available. This might be kind of like the perfect storm, like the one that vaulted Andrews up to a career year last year. Not that he's going to put up those numbers, but everything's kind of coming together to increase his total. He just doesn't have that upside of TD potential like Dalton Schultz, who I have at number seven. Again, same kind of profile, already a good target, and a bunch of new targets available with some guys leaving uh, and a guy that's going to be late coming back. Um, but the difference is there's not a huge target hog coming back 
because Gallup won't command the same kind of attention as a DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's a safe pick, but he even has more value in a basic or performance league because his TD rate is higher. So, again, in a, in a non-PPR, I would probably flip-flop these two. Um, so I think Prescott's confidence in Schultz, though, definitely has his arrow pointing up towards a career peak right now. Uh, number eight, I've got TJ Hawkinson. You mentioned a lot of the reasons. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a reason he may not have as many targets this year, and one of them is obviously um, they got some new toys at receiver. Eventually, one's a little late coming back. They got a developing young running back. Um, they all could cut into his volume. But to be fair, he and Swift went out in consecutive weeks, so most of his damage was done with, with DeAndre Swift uh, still in the lineup. So uh, I think he's a high-floor, chain-moving PPR tight end, but he has limited upside. My number nine is Dallas Goddard. I like what I've been seeing about the development of chemistry between him and Hertz so far, um, but there, I do have some concerns to keep him from getting ranked any higher despite getting rid of Zach Ertz's competition. The low volume in Philly is obviously a concern. The bigger thing for me is the addition of a true alpha dog wide receiver. So I just think his career high targets from last year might not be able to be repeated this year. Never been a huge TD guy, but I think he's going to retain his value there because rushing threat quarterbacks usually free up tight ends in the near red zone. Again, love him, safe floor, capped upside. My number 10 is Dawson Knox. I I think he's a prime candidate for regression. His TD rate was just pretty close to unsustainable. He scored every five catches last year. And his points per target rate was also off the chart. He's just simply too low in the pecking order in Buffalo to be relied upon, even in that high octane of an offense. Um, the one thing that I do think is really cutting into his value, a lot of, no one's really talked about this, uh, is the signing of O.J. Howard uh, in Buffalo. Um, he, he's... He's new to the team, but he really, frankly, is a superior athlete and a mismatch threat. So I think he's going to cut into Dawson Knox's targets a lot more than a lot of people think. So I think Knox is my guy most likely to bust amongst the top ten, but his team's offense definitely keeps him in the top ten for me right now. Okay, well, we have a very similar list. In fact, it's the same here at the bottom. My number nine guy is Dallas Gar for, for much of the same reasons that you have it. And the reason why I don't really like him too much here is because of the addition of A.J. Brown there. And, and uh, I can see regression on that target list. And I still got him catching over 60 passes, almost 900 yards, and five scores. But I think he's going to see a lot less red zone looks there. And like you said, Dawson Knox, uh, what, what a season. Uh, catching a touchdown every five uh, targets, <laughs> that's that's very tough to do in any season. Uh, I've got him down for only like 50 catches, 650 yards, and nine scores, and that's a little stretching it a little bit, only maybe because I've got him this side because the guys right behind him I really don't like, and one of them we're going to talk about, actually two of them, you're going to be talking about them very soon here as we uh, get into our uh, creeper, sleeper, overrated, underrated section. That finishes the top ten. Well, let's get right to that where, uh, Chris, you offer your two uh, – sleepers or uh, underrated players at, at tight end? Who do you like this year? Uh, I'd like Cole Komet. He, he caught 60 balls last year and didn't score a touchdown. Only one touchdown in the last 20 years, and maybe ever, I couldn't go back any farther, has ever caught more than 35 passes without scoring a touchdown. Jordan Reed, 2014, and he scored 11 the next year. So with even a modest TD regression rate, he would have easily been the top five or seven tight end last year. And he shared time with Jimmy Graham. That guy's gone. So with a little more maturity from Fields, a little better offense, I think he's going to pay off a little better than other guys being drafted in that TD 13 to 16 range. I think he's a great two with number one upside. It's also worth noting that the new offensive coordinator spent eight years in Green Bay working with their offense where they made touchdown machines out of much lesser tight ends like Robert Tanyan, Richard Rodgers, and an aging Jimmy Graham. Um, a guy that's totally, you know, total freebie late in drafts, 
done mostly undrafted except in large leagues is Austin Hooper. Totally forgotten despite a proven track record and moving to a much better situation. He was a top six tight end back-to-back years, got into a tough situation in Cleveland, but still showed stretches there of weak winning PPR value. Now he's moving to Tennessee with a quarterback and an offense that uses the tight end more, especially in the red zone, devoid of any big targets. They actually have the most vacated targets and air yards of any team in the NFL this year. And I mentioned Tannehill. One-third of his touchdowns uh, as, as a pro have been thrown to the tight end. So I think this is a real prime opportunity for a big bounce back year. And the reports are that he's clicked with Tannehill pretty good as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. In fact, I'm going to be moving Austin Hooper up my list this week. And uh, But uh, my two choices here for sleepers or underrated guys, uh, we, we're going to talk about a couple of guys we're not crazy about, like Mike Gazeki and, and, and Friermuth uh, here shortly. But uh, instead of grabbing guys like that a few rounds earlier, I'd wait for my backup tight end and grab somebody like Herb Smith in Minnesota. I know he's uh, coming off that knee injury, but he's been cleared from that. And, of course, he had a thumb issue. Now he's uh, good, uh, good to go. He's uh, returned to practice. He's going to play in week one and they like what he can do on the field of play as well as their passing game is going to be expanded they're not going to be focusing so much on the run Kirk Cousins does like targeting his big guy when he's healthy and he will be at the start of the season so Irv Smith you can get later in the draft there and a name that's just popped out uh I tell you Baltimore, they're just, I guess they're going to be known for producing these uh, tight ends like uh, Steelers are known for producing wide receivers. Rookie Isaiah Likely, yes, uh, if you never don't know who that is, he's uh, broke out the, first, the last two preseason games here, uh, catching passes all over the field, uh, very showing his talent. And there's talk that he might end up being the third most targeted player uh, in the offense on the field during the real games behind Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman because they've got guys like Devon, Devin Duvernay <laughs> uh, behind uh, those guys. So uh, this is somebody you can probably grab in the final round or two of your draft and stash them and, uh, you know, just wait and see uh, what, what's not to like there because this is a team that focuses not only on the run but getting the tight end of the football and he could very easily break out uh, in, in a real way this way. Uh, how about uh, you, Chris, a uh, couple of overrated guys? Yeah, I don't really like Mark Gusecki. He's still being drafted as a tight end one, and I don't, I don't know why. He's a nice player. He's skilled, but he's just not in a situation to live up to those draft expectations. I mean, he's been drafted as a starter three straight years, never finished higher than tight end 10, and his target share is likely to drop this year with additions like Ty- Tyreek Hill, obviously, and then Chase Edmonds. There's just no upside. And if you wait for a starting tight end, like someone who drafts Gasecki would, you need more upside. He's a nice number two, low weekly floors. And then a guy I don't really get is, is Pat Fryermuth. He was a low-end tight end two as a rookie. That's impressive. But the stars kind of aligned for that due to a very high TD rate, kind of like Dawson Knott's light. Nobody threw in the near red zone, red zone more than Big Ben last year. And he locks onto the, TE, the tight end more than most as well. Um, the new quarterbacks at Pittsburgh are not as gifted, nor as likely to be asked to throw in tight quarters as much, and most projections have him with similar targets but fewer touchdowns. In fact, 2021 showed the rookie posting numbers very similar to tight ends in better 2022 situations like Higby and Everett and Noah Fant, but these guys are all being drafted way later, if at all. So why is he being drafted as a breakout, high upside, low-end starter? I don't know. I just got to see it before I believe it. Yep. 
Okay, a couple of guys I'm not crazy about this year, and I drafted this guy last year. I thought he had a lot of potential because he, he had that fantastic end of season uh, three or four years ago. Tyler Higby is a ram. Uh, the bottom line here is that Stafford just doesn't look to him enough in the red zone. Uh, yes, he will have some games here or there, but usually a game for him is like three or four for 50 yards and maybe a score. And if he doesn't score, because he only scores four or five times in a year, uh, he, you get three or four for 30 yards or so, and that's not going to get you what you need. Um, there was talk about, well, with Stafford now as quarterback, that Higby could be top 12. No, I think he ended up somewhere around 15, 16, 17 or whatever, and yet people were drafting him as a starter last year, and that's uh, that's not continuing for me. And this year I'm avoiding him. Another guy, Evan Ingram. Oh, I suffer with this guy as a giant. Uh, hands of stone, can't catch anything. Uh, I mean, even the short passes to him, uh, he couldn't do anything with, and now he's in Jacksonville, and they're, they're expecting big things there, and I'm just not believing it. Uh, has not had a very good camp there. Uh, hasn't impressed at all. So uh, I'm just going to let someone else take that uh, uh, player off my list and, and cross him off, and I'm not worried about him at all. Anyway, we want to remind everyone that it's a, a, a premium subscribership to FF Mastermind. It does get you access to our forums where there are over 4,000 uh, subscribers um, currently registered, uh, and, and they can offer you advice and such. Also, the unofficial subscriber forum league, uh, is drafting right now, and the owner, the uh, all all the the players are subscribers, and they're posting their draft pick analysis on the board as we speak. So you get that too if you join and buy a draft guide purchase. Anyway, uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. Uh, see you all next week when we hold our popular annual sleeper sleeper creeper preview show. Good night and good luck to everyone still uh, everyone drafting this week. Go team! <laughs> Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!